This is the IDP After Show. Are the Buffalo Bills the most stacked team in all of IDP? We'll be talking about the Bills and all of the other teams in the AFC East on today's episode of the After Show, where I, your host, Evan Ronda, am joined by the one and only Steve Falco. Let's go ahead and start off with the defensive line. Now, the Bills defensive line, I would say, has struggled for a little bit, but last season, before Von Miller got injured, they were looking really, really good. So, obviously, up at the top, we've got Greg Rousseau, but they have a couple other excitable noting names who would you call out as far as some notable guys on this Buffalo Bills defensive line? Yeah, it's really interesting when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, I guess I'll say play calling philosophy with the defensive line. Sean McDermott, uh, you know, has always rotated defensive line. So the tough part from an IDP standpoint is they just don't get a lot of pass rush snaps because you've got Von Miller, you've got Gregory Rousseau, you've got Boogie Basham. You got AJ Epinesa, you got Shaq Lawson. All these guys are getting some sort of playing time. Now you've also got the Bills signing Leonard Floyd to essentially a one-year prove-it deal. So now he's getting added to the mix. And then on the defensive, interior defensive line side, uh, you've got Ed Oliver, who they signed to a contract extension, uh, which I think some were surprised, including me, uh, that they went ahead and did that. He's been, I'd say, uh, good, not great, more so disappointing for where he was drafted. And his counterparts, uh, in the division even, with Quentin Williams and Christian Wilkins, uh, they have definitely uh, outplayed him so far. Uh, but he's still only 25 years old, and then we brought in Puna Ford. Uh, you know, I don't know how IDP relevant he is, uh, depending on, you know, your roster, your starters uh, for IDP. Um, you know, but he, he's he's a run mauler, which the Bills have been needing uh, pretty badly. And um, they also got Daquan Jones and Tim Settle on the interior defensive line. Yeah, man, it's a very deep group. I'm looking at this uh, best ball average draft position here, and there are 10 defensive linemen that have been drafted in these drafts so far. Greg Russo at the top, Ed Oliver and Von Miller basically back-to-back. Then Leonard Floyd. Then there's a massive gap. And then it's you know Shaq Lawson, AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham. Are there any names there as far as like what order they're going that you're like, man, this is a big red flag, or is that pretty much what you'd expect to see? Well... I think when you watched Von Miller play last year, I mean, you you could just tell just the burst that he had right when the snaps, right when the, when the ball was snapped. Now, with him recovering from an ACL, they say he's going to be ready for Week One. I'm not positive that he will be ready for Week One. And honestly, with bringing in Leonard Floyd, I actually think that they can be a little more cautious with bringing back Leonard Miller because we really need him for the playoffs. He's the closer, right? So I, I actually would say as far as ADP goes, I actually think I might, I like Leonard Floyd quite a bit. I think that he could actually do very well uh, in this defensive line. And I also like Greg Rousseau as well. You know, he, he had only played 13 games last year. Um, he, had, he had an injury that he dealt with. And I know Rousseau has even, I think, come out publicly and said that his plan is to, you know, get at least over 10 sacks. I think he does. Um, he had eight sacks last year, uh, so he was on pace to do it. Uh, so I think he, I think this could be the year um, that he could really break out. What will be interesting is what I think will happen is because of Greg Rousseau's frame and his pass rush ability, I could really see once Vaughn is healthy, you could have Vaughn and Leonard Floyd on the outside 
and then have Ed Oliver on the inside and then Greg Rousseau rushing the passer on the inside just because he's such a big, you know, tall guy. And I think that's a pretty formidable front. So I'm excited uh, to see what that's how that's going to shape. Man, you got me really excited about this upcoming season. That, that'll be really cool to see. Ten sacks coming from Greg Rousseau. You heard it here first. I like that as a goal for him. I wish uh, I wish every IDP player would just come out and tell us what their projection should be. I think that would make our job a lot easier. Yeah. Um, and he's going really, really high. He's the second highest drafted IDP on the entire Bills roster. The only person going ahead of him is their linebacker, Matt Milano. So let's go ahead and chat about their linebacker position. I think you and I can both agree. Matt Milano is a set it and forget it guy, but behind him, that's where things get interesting. I've seen a lot of different reports for camp, um, but I'm, I'm just curious what your opinion is. It, predictions, predictions aside, I know it's going to be pretty difficult to tell who gets it and, you know, be absolutely correct, but I, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on, on the number two linebacker spot here. Yeah. It's really interesting because the bills defense, yeah, they run nickel pri- primarily most of the time. Uh, so you're not talking about three linebacker sets. You're talking about just the two. And with Tremaine Edmonds leading in free agency, you're talking about a vacated 104 tackle. So like you said, who's going to step up? I think it might be a um, committee approach. They've got A.J. Klein, the veteran, uh, who was back in Carolina back in the days when Sean McDermott was a defensive coordinator. Uh, so he knows the system. You know, they drafted Dorian Williams. Uh, but, you know, based on my different different draft analysts that have talked about him, I think he's got the potential, but maybe he's more um, kind of an outside. Not He wouldn't be like an outside linebacker, pass, pass rusher, uh, but I just, they, they wonder if he really would be that, that true inside linebacker uh, that Tremaine Edmonds was. Uh, so it'll be kind of interesting to see who fills that spot. But right now, my gut tells me uh, it's probably going to be a committee approach. I hate that you said that. I you're probably right. It just I don't like it. I don't want it to be true. I just want one guy to soak up all the snaps. But but yeah, I think it's really important to bring that up. I don't think when I talk about this team and when I hear other people talk about this team that that is being listed as a possible range of outcomes enough. And I think it's important that we touch on that. Uh, just according to ADP, at least uh, the market seems to think it's Dorian Williams and then Terrell Bernard and then Tyrell Dodson and then like way later AJ Klein and then way later you know Balin Specter I I don't really think those guys have a chance at really having that upside but it is interesting because the battle does seem to be mostly between Dorian Williams and Terrell Bernard and I told you there's a little bit of lore here uh, I I had a super super unhealthily unhealthily high I think that's the word we're gonna roll with it but a really really high exposure to Terrell Bernard before the draft and uh Obviously, my heart has broken since then. So anytime Terrell Bernard gets mentioned, uh, pour one out for me. But <laughs> I, I do think it's interesting, right? There, There's a chance at a committee here. And if that's the case, then perhaps maybe we both lose, no matter who you picked. So it'll probably be a really volatile situation. Let's go ahead and look at defensive back before we close out the Buffalo Bills. Now, I find the ADP really interesting because, it, at least in my opinion, a lot of backups are being drafted. Like a lot of guys that are just not going to see the field unless an injury happens. So just just to clue you in kind of what, what I'm seeing here, because I know I'm staring at the spreadsheet here, but like we've got Jordan, Jordan Poyer uh, going as DB21. That makes sense. Teron Johnson, their nickel, going as DB64. Okay. Micah Hyde going as DB76. All right, I see it. But then DeMar Hamlin and Taylor Rapp, 
Um, Kyrie Elam's maybe Tredavious White makes sense, but like there, there's Dane Jackson. There's a lot of guys here who I feel like are being drafted that are probably putting up zeros every week without an injury. Am I wrong about that? What, what do you think about their defensive back situation? Yeah, I mean that's a. It's, I'm not going to get on a, a, a rabbit trail here, but I mean I, I think a lot of it does does kind of matter as to what is your IDP settings. You know, a lot of times cornerbacks are the forgotten man, <laughs> especially sometimes if it's just a defensive back role, you don't really even need to think about a corner. So I think that depending on who's listening, uh, that's going to matter quite greatly. I think Poyer, you know, he was banged up even as early as training camp. Um, you know, he had a huge, you know, cast on his elbow. Uh, he just was battling injuries uh, left and right. Micah Hyde, you know, had that season-ending in neck injury. Um, sounds like from all indication, he'll be back. Uh, so I think when it comes down to it, I think Poyer, um, so long as he's healthy, I mean, I, he, he has been unbelievable in Buffalo. I think I think that's actually kind of, I'm trying to, I, I wish I could see the ADP list, but that number seemed kind of low, to be honest with you, as far as this season. Um, I do really like Taylor Rapp, though. You know, uh, Poyer and Hyde are both 32 years old. So they've, you know, who do they have in the pipeline? You've got Demar Hamlin, but Rapp was a starter for the Rams. I think he could be interesting. As far as the corners go, uh, you know, Trey White came back from the ACL last year. Uh, just, just didn't look like himself. Uh, he's only 28 years old. I have hopes uh, that he will kind of right the ship this season. And then Kyrie Elam, we had a lot of hope for him being drafted in the first round, but Christian Benford really kind of overtook him. And you mentioned Dane Jackson as well. Um, I've heard mixed reports as far as how Elam's progressing. I hope that he he continues to progress. And he has had some flash um, plays. Um, so, But uh, we'll, have, we'll have to see. I have hope for him. Yeah, man. The Bills have definitely needed a solid outside corner two for a while now. So hopefully one of those guys can step up and really – solidify themselves as a part of that defense i told you there's a lot of there's a lot of lore with this team i guess for whatever reason the bills are just a team that i love getting high exposure to so the number one player i have exposure to in all of best ball is micah hyde i've probably done like 32 drafts at this point and i've probably drafted him in like 30 of them so uh tell me i'm not healthy but also is there a chance that i'm completely wrong and micah hyde just bites me in the butt or is he a good guy to kind of put my put my chips in on? What do you think? Well, it's interesting because Micah Hyde kind of relies a lot on the, you know, interceptions, pass breakups uh, type of play. You know, he's not your box safety that's going to get you a lot of tackles. Um, and him coming off a season-long injury, I think you probably are getting him at the value dip, and that's probably why, uh, you know, you, I would imagine you're probably really interested in him. Uh, I, I like him a lot. I, I just, I wonder, I wonder how much... You know, it's hard to really know um, how he's really fully recovered from the injury. It will he be truly himself again? I think he will. It is interesting they did bring in Taylor Rapp, who turned down money elsewhere to come to Buffalo. Uh, so that is, if we're reading between the lines, you know, that would be sort of interesting. But I think I think he'll be safe. I think it'll be a good value for you. You're you're too kind, man. I feel like uh, I feel like that was the nicest way of saying, ah, man, I don't know, I don't know. That sounds a little risky to me. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Miami Dolphins. Now, I, I forgot to touch at the top. You're a Bills guy. Obviously, you're a very smart football mind, so it's not like we're, you know, having any drop off. But I think it's important to note, you know, you're a Bills fan. That's why I got you here in the first place. Obviously, you're smart. 
but it's always fun to have people on that know their own teams. But the Miami Dolphins, uh, division rivals, maybe. Would you even consider them division rivals? I feel like it's Bills Patriots is where that rivalry is. But now Miami is actually looking like more of a threat than the Patriots are. This is completely irrelevant to IDP, but I'm just kind of curious at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, obviously you had the bad blood with the Patriots and Tom Brady just steamrolling us every year. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm trying to think. I think I might get the most, it's hard to say. I was really frustrated when we lost that one game in Miami when it was like 90 degrees in September. Uh, you know, we lost and, you know, we, we, we just torched them in yards. Uh, but people were getting IVs on the sideline. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I find myself maybe more frustrated by the Jets, actually. I don't know. I, it's hard to really say. I mean, I think they're all teams that I just, you know, <laughs> you, I want to beat them, you know. Yes, sir. Hey, I've got that Aaron Rodgers Jets jersey hanging up in the background here. So I, I think we're going to have a little bit of competitive juices flowing this season, I'm sure. Um, back to IDP. We obviously are starting off with the defensive line, but I think it's interesting to note, at least according to this best ball ADP, their top three players being drafted on average are all defensive linemen. Jalen Phillips is going as a defensive line 10. He tends to go between the uh, first and second round turn. Then Christian Wilkins going as the defensive line 24, defensive tackle six overall. And then Bradley Chubb going as defensive line 37. Obviously, a little later, we've got Emmanuel Ogba, Zach Seiler, and then, you know, like way later, Andrew Van Ginkle and Malik Reed. What are your thoughts here on this defensive line? Do you really feel like Jalen Phillips is poised for like a really, really solid, solid season that can kind of match that first round ADP? Or is he perhaps being a little overhyped? What do you think? Yeah, when it comes to Jalen Phillips, you know, when he came out as a prospect, because, you know, him and Rousseau both came out of Miami, I felt stronger about uh, Rousseau. I just, to me, I just... I, I was excited that the Bills got him. I she was excited that the Dolphins got Phillips because I thought I thought he was going to be kind of a bust based on what I was reading and understanding. But boy, he's proved me wrong, and, and he's played really well. I mean, last year, so out of a you know, he had four hundred thirty-one pass rush snaps, and he had forty-six hurries, which was the third highest, only behind Parsons and Max Crosby. So only seven sacks, but that's the thing. A lot of times, depending most IDP leagues, you're just looking at the sacks. It's really hard to count on the hurries. So if he's getting that many hurries, that tells you that he's in the right place at the right time. He just isn't, you know, he's not fully getting that sack. Uh, so and with him and Bradley Chubb, it, it, it takes the pressure off him. He's not just the guy. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really like Jalen Phillips. I, I do think Bradley Chubb is sort of um, overrated. Obviously, I, he was a top first round pick a number of years ago. Be interesting now that Vic Fangio is coming over as a defensive coordinator. Obviously, they've had some history, uh, you know, with Fangio being the Broncos' head coach. So uh, I don't know. I, I I definitely like. I definitely agree with the ADP. I, I really like Phillips. Uh, you know, with Chubb. Um, you know, I, I think he's sort of overrated. Um, but and then Wilkins. I know you didn't ask me about Wilkins, but Wilkins is unbelievable. I, I play an IDP league that is you know you have to start defensive tackle. And um, to me, I mean, for he got 100 combined tackles last year. The next closest was Cam Hayward, I believe, at 76. I mean, he's getting tackles as if it was like a linebacker. So he doesn't get as many sacks. Only had three and a half sacks. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's unbelievable. I expect the Dolphins to re-sign him uh, very shortly. Dude's really funny, too. Can we just appreciate his uh, on-field comedy is pretty funny. 
Well, I didn't really like how he punched Josh Allen in the nuts, but you <laughs> yeah, know, that's a good um, point. <laughs> that is mean, a good point. I, I guess he was saying like was for dominance or whatever. So he's definitely a unique guy. That, yeah. I'll give him that. But I like him in fantasy. So what can I say? Yes, sir. We'll we'll keep it to fantasy then. Um, the linebacker situation is going to be fun to watch because they have two guys. ADP very very clearly favoring only those two guys. Channing Tindall's going like a hundred picks later so he's more or less irrelevant but it's david long and then just a little bit later it's jerome baker so at least right now the market seems to prefer the newly signed david long but jerome baker's been on the team for a little while a little while it's going to be interesting to see how this defense utilizes both linebackers do you feel like you have somewhat of an idea on how you how you think they'll deploy them or is it going to be pretty much a wait and see approach what do you think yeah, I mean, I feel like Baker has been sort of mediocre. Uh, I, I don't really anticipate him. I think he is what he is, I would say, at this point. Now, with Landon Roberts, you know, leaving in free agency, we're talking about 106 tackles vacated. So I, I want to, I actually am a believer in David Long. I actually think that uh, he played really well in Tennessee last year. He only was able to play 12 games. He was banged up, but he had 87. Uh, combined tackles I think I think he could I think for the first time be over 100 tackles he's only 26 years old uh, so I actually really like David Long I think he's a sneaky sleeper to be honest with you yeah I like that I like that call too he's going as linebacker 36 right now so there are 35 guys going ahead of him and and he's definitely in a position where he could be soaking up a lot of tackles here uh, let's quickly talk about the defensive back situation I think you and I can both agree Javon Holland is locked and loaded at safety, but behind him, or I guess maybe in front of him, if you think about positioning on the field, it's actually back-to-back Deshaun Elliott and Brandon Jones. Do you have a preference between those two guys? I think I do, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on the safeties before we quickly touch on the corners. Yeah, I mean... Well, real quick about Javon Holland. I mean, he he's been unbelievable. I mean, he, I again, I did not expect him to be this good. I thought he was from an IDP because it's tough with IDP, right? Because you know maybe they're just a deep safety guy, and so as a result, they're not going to get a lot of tackles. They don't get thrown their way. They're not going to get picks. They're not going to pass deflections. So I thought he might be that type of player, but uh, you know he was great having ninety six combined tackles last year, uh, and he's only twenty three years old. So from a dynasty perspective, I think he's one of the better safeties. You know, Deshaun Elliott has been a starting caliber safety. Uh, and I think some people were, at least that I've heard from, really liked the idea of Brandon Jones last year. So I think it could be a blended approach, which I don't really like. So as a result, I don't really like either, <laughs> if I had to say. Uh, I mean, I want to say Brandon Jones is younger. So for me, I, I'm, I always, I mean, I try to think things in a dynasty frame of mind. Um, so I probably lean towards him. Uh, redraft, you know, maybe, maybe Elliott plays more snaps. Uh, you know, because I, I mean, it, it's a really a coin flip, I think. Yeah, it, it's tough, right? I think that's the right answer. I don't think anybody should definitively assume one or the other, because the truth is we don't know for a fact until we see it. Uh, but I do agree with you. I, I think Brandon Jones is really talented. I think Deshaun Elliott, just as a talent in general, is pretty underrated. He was able to fill in as a backup for the Lions last year and perform really well when he was healthy. I'm hoping it's Brandon Jones. I, I feel bad for the guy getting injured last year. I think he's got the talent to do it. But again, we'll see. Uh, perhaps maybe one of the most exciting additions for this team. We don't need to spend a ton of time talking about corner, but how can you not bring up Jalen Ramsey 
when talking about this Miami Dolphins defense. He's going currently as the DB 13, but more importantly, he's going as the cornerback three overall. Does that seem a little high to you, or do you think that's about right? What do you think? Yeah, Jalen Ramsey is a very um, interesting player. Reason why I say it is obviously he's got the name recognition and the pedigree as uh, you know how good he was. And he had 88 combined tackles last year. But if you look at it, he was targeted 73 times. He allowed 42 completions and 570 yards allowed. He actually allowed a ton of yards um, compared to other corners. And so for me, uh, I think that might have just been a product of the Rams were kind of uh, calling it in near the end. <laughs> so at that point, he was still out there on the field. So it was like, he's out there, he's getting paid. Maybe he wasn't, you know, trying. I'm not saying he wasn't trying his absolute best. But maybe he's like, I'm going to take take a player off or put you know, two plays off. I think him coming in, you know, uh, Evero, who was the defensive coordinator with the Rams, when Jalen Ramsey went to the star position, that's when he really took off, you know, because a lot of times corners, like I said, are the forgotten man. Well, you know, Evero is a disciple of Vic Fangio. And Vic Fangio is now the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins. So I think Ramsey's going to do really well. One really quick thought about Xavier Howard's counterpart. I am, uh, he's got the name recognition, and on paper, you could argue they may be the two best corners, like the tandem that might be the best in the league. But it's really interesting because he's 30 years old. But, and I don't know if you know this or not, but he allowed the most yards of any corner in the entire NFL last year. He allowed 723 yards allowed last year. On 67 targets and 40 completions. So I don't know if maybe Howard, I don't know maybe if he has that anymore. They did draft Cam Smith, uh, you know, in the second round. So maybe they're thinking that he could eventually be his replacement. So that's something I'm definitely curious to watch for uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, man. Cam Smith is definitely an interesting prospect. Don't sleep on him. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Patriots. Now, I'm sure you can agree with me here. They're never a very fun team to talk about. Bill Belichick hates IDP and therefore makes his defense incredibly volatile and, and just, you know, fluctuates on a week to week basis. But we, uh, we can at least analyze some ADP here and give some general thoughts about what we expect off the top. We've got Matthew Judon going as the defensive line 14 and Josh, uh, Josh Uche going as a defensive line 46. Those are the top two guys by ADP. Uh, then much later we have Christian Barmore, going as the defensive line 94 more importantly the defensive tackle 23 and then Dietrich Wise going as DL 102 I guess we can talk about the rookie Keon White going at uh, DL 136 but in general I mean I feel like to me personally it's Matthew Judon he gets a lot of volume he gets a lot of pressures he's really good in the first half of the season um, and then Josh Uche was efficient and we'll have to see what he can do with the opportunities this year do you have any kind of further thoughts on that setup there? What are your thoughts on this just defensive line group in general? Yeah, I think I agree with you as far as the frustration with the Patriots defense, uh, especially, you know, I played, you know, my IDP league, we played like true position, which I know, um, yeah, I don't know how many of your listeners know about that terminology or talk about it, um, but I know that uh, some of the main people that I've heard are now kind of switching to that where, you know, you'd say like a TJ Watt, line, he's a, it says he's a linebacker, but truly he's an edge rusher, you know, so he should really be, whatever you call him, a defensive end edge rusher. 
So, but I find the Patriots, they're some of the most difficult ones because Belichick uses them all over the place. Uh, so I really like Matt Judon. Um, he has been unbelievable with the Patriots. I mean, he had 15 and a half sacks last year, uh, 33 total hurries. Uh, so I really like him. Uche, I thought he was a bust, uh, to be honest. But last year, he had 11 and a half sacks. Now, two of those games, he got three sacks each, which, you know, I, you, I'm sure you know too, Evan, like, when it comes to defense, it's feast or famine <laughs> when it comes to IDP. Either they're going to get Chandler Jones is going to get five sacks in one game, and you're going to be like, wow, look at all these points. And then the next seven games, he's not going to get you a sack. So I, I don't know. We'll see. Is that maybe a sign of things to come? We'll find out with Uche. Um, but he could be on the verge of a breakout. And then, you know, Barmore has been disappointing. I. You know, a lot of times with those interior defensive linemen, we want to know if they have pass rush ability. And I thought he did, you know, in Alabama. Just really has to be able to put it together. Uh, so that'll be interesting. And then Keon White, I actually really like Keon White. I actually rate him really highly. Um, I kind of view him more as an interior defensive lineman. I know he played edge and I, maybe he was drafted, you know, as a you know defensive edge. But if you look at his size profile, it basically resembles Dietrich Wise. Uh, so I don't think he's going to play on the outside. I think it's going to be Judon Uche, but I think that Keon White um, is going to kind of play uh, where Dietrich Wise has played. Uh, so it'll be really interesting, but I'm pretty excited about what Keon White uh, could become. Yeah, man, that that's going to be an exciting thing to watch. Uh, let's go ahead and quickly shift over to the linebacker position, which is Equally frustrating. Very few linebackers from this team have been drafted. In fact, uh, only, well, okay. I would I would say three, but there's like two guys that are being taken at the last pick. I don't really care about them. Pretty much it's it's Juwan Bentley going as linebacker 56. It's Jelani Tavai going as linebacker 85. And then Raekwon McMillan mentioning his name is already too much airtime. So let's just forget that. It's really just Juwan, Bel- uh, Juwan Bentley and Jelani Tavai are either of these guys like outside of a best ball format where you don't have to worry about starting them on a week to week basis that you just get their good weeks and don't get them from their bad weeks. Are these guys you're even interested in rostering or are you just going to let some other manager deal with it? Yeah. I mean, I would say them, you know, I mean, I think the only one that's actually shown that he's capable of doing anything is to I'm badly. You did see that the Patriots, I believe you signed him to an extension. I want to say it was two years. Um, but interestingly enough, Javon Bentley had 125 combined tackles, but half of those were assisted. So depending on your scoring, you know, usually solo tackles are, are quite a great, you know, a lot more uh, than assisted tackles. So yeah, if it was me, I, I, I don't have any excitement about any of these guys. Yeah, yeah, that's enough airtime for this group. I don't think we need to talk about it any further. Uh, you know what else is really interesting, at least for me, I I have such a hard time understanding the the cornerback and defensive back situation marcus jones and jonathan jones and uh jack jones it's like oh my gosh i can't i can't remember who's who uh kyle duggar is here and then you've got uh man who else jabril peppers adrian phillips is like the older kyle duggar and then Marte mapu is like the younger kyle duggar it's, there's just a bunch of ambiguous guys playing everywhere the one interesting thing here is marcus jones is just getting taken really really high DB 11 cornerback two. And I think that's because people are interested in his return ability because uh, in the scoring settings that, that this ADP comes from punt return and kick return yards are included. But if they were not included, which I have to assume there are plenty of leagues out there where they're not included. Like 
what's the deal with this this defensive back room? Kyle Duggar, I have to assume, is interesting. But besides him, who are you looking at, if anybody? Yeah, I mean, this defensive back group is a nightmare. <laughs> it's probably the biggest nightmare. I mean, just to see if he's alone, you mentioned those four. Then you've got also Jalen Mills. So, I mean, you've got a ton of guys who have been able to start over the past few years. Marte Mappo is a really interesting one. I actually think they'd be better off playing the linebacker, but what do I know? You know, Bill Belichick is one of the best, is, is one, if not the best coach of all time. Um, but uh, he'll be he's going to be used as a chess piece. Um, you know, Duggar, you know, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Duggar, uh, you know, because of his frame, a lot of uh, his usage um, can be, you know, dedicated to the kind of nickel, almost a big nickel. Um, a lot of teams are doing that now with, you know, three safeties in this in that safety kind of playing that big nickel spot to cover tight ends. Uh, so as far as the corners go, I'm actually really surprised. You probably saw from my reaction about Marcus Jones. I, I like Marcus Jones. I actually have him on my team. Um, but I like him a little bit less because the Patriots went ahead and drafted Christian Gonzalez in the first round. Uh, and I thought, it was, I thought it was kind of surprising because, you know, the Patriots notoriously had been able to develop, you know, corners um, that I, I wound drafted. Uh, you know, you had Malcolm Butler. Um, obviously, he became a big name, ended up being a really good player, and J.C. Jackson as well. Uh, so, you know, they know how to develop guys. So I was surprised that they went ahead and used first-round draft capital on a quarterback. Uh, so I don't know. This is a very unique group. Uh, it, it definitely it doesn't seem like there's a clear-cut, you know, winner. Uh, so it definitely makes me a little leery for sure. Yeah, I will also say, though, shame on the rest of the league for letting Christian Gonzalez fall that far. I was, like, super, super plugged into the draft going into it. I thought for sure Christian Gonzalez was going to be, like, a top-10 pick. I thought there was no way Joey Porter was going to fall to the Steelers in the first round, and then he made it to them in the second round. But, the, yeah, they have – I don't want to say an embarrassment of riches because that's a little bit of an overstatement, but just the fact that he fell to them where they were seems – pretty crazy and i i agree with you man marty mapu is really really intriguing just the way that we expect him to be used whether or not he's a linebacker or a strong safety whatever just the fact that his experience and expertise if you will kind of shows that he's going to get some favorable usage when he does get it that excites me um but doesn't he sound like a patriots player though oh like yeah. he uh, he coming out of sacramento state like college like it has like Rob Ninkovich vibes, like you know what I mean. Like they're gonna use him somehow, and he's gonna be really good. Or it'll be a Tavon Wilson, and people are like, "What is Bill Belichick doing drafting this safety that was a fifth or sixth rounder, and he was an absolute bust?" So, you know, I well, I tend to think that he's gonna be good, but maybe that's just my Bills uh, bias as like, "Oh, here we go, Belichick does something again." But you know, if you actually look, his draft record has not been the greatest. Yeah, I'm. Seriously, um, one actually, I, I really wanted to move on from the Patriots, but one other thing I'm looking at here, the, the spreadsheet that I'm looking at also shows how much players ADP has shifted after the NFL draft. Marcus Jones ADP has only shifted down about 14 spots. I don't think that's very much considering the implication that Christian Gonzalez might have over him. I don't really know if there's a reasonable reaction to that, just more so an observation, but it, do you feel like he should be probably going a lot later, even considering the fact that this is ADP from punt and kick return leagues? I, I mean, I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, 
I'd be really concerned for those owners who decide to do that. Look, I mean, I think they got too. I think there's like a lot of excitement. He was used for gadget plays on offense, you know. So I think that's people are like, oh wow, he's playing both sides of the field. If they would not have re-signed Jonathan Jones, I would have felt better about it. If it because you got Jack Jones, I think he um, was like carrying a firearm illegally, and so who knows what's going to happen to him. So then you're talking about Christian Gonzalez and Marcus Jones, but then they re-signed Jonathan, and I'm like. Yeah, I'm not so sure. So yeah, I, I'm very surprised how high that is. I, I definitely would not draft him that high. Yeah, I agree with you there, 100%. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and talk about the New York Jets here. Obviously, I'm excited on the offensive side of the ball to see what kind of an impact Aaron Rodgers will have, but that is not what this show is for. We're here to talk about defense, and we'll start off with the defensive line with one of the most exciting young defensive interior defensive linemen in the league right now. I think for the longest time, it has been the reign of Aaron Donald and a question mark as far as who the next guy is. But this year, there does seem to be a changing of the guard as Quinnen Williams is now the defensive tackle number one overall, according to ADP, defensive lineman 11. Uh, What are your thoughts on him going that high? Do you feel like he deserves that average draft position? And then for the rest of the defensive line, it seems like a rotation of edges and basically no other interesting interior defensive linemen. Um, if, if there is a guy there and I understand there is a big if, cause there might not be, but if there is another guy on that edge rotation that you really like, who might that be? Yeah. I mean, first I'll, I'll speak to Quinn Williams. Um, yeah, I mean, I, he's been unbelievable. Uh, I mean, he's only 25 years old. Obviously, you know, he's waiting for the bag right now. I mean, he's looking to get paid big time, and he, he deserves it, you know. I mean, out of 400 pass rush snaps last year, he had 12 sacks. This is the first time that he went over the 10-sack mark. Um, and that's pretty big for, for an interior defensive lineman. You know? It's hard to really get uh, a ton of sacks. That's why Aaron Donald um, has been so widely uh, viewed as great as he is in IDP circles because of his production. So, uh, to me, I mean you don't see that out of defensive tackles. So I, I think it is deserving, to be honest with you. I, I, and then as for myself, you know, I like being in, in defensive tackle leagues because it forces you to draft the position, and then you're talking about the differentiation between him and the defensive tackle 11 or 12. That's huge compared to just him being muddled with the defensive line group. It really takes away uh, from his value, I believe. But going over to the edge side, I didn't know what to think about um, Jermaine Johnson. You know, the Jets went up, traded up to go get him. He was a riser coming out of Florida State. He's 24 years old, uh, but he played 14 games last year, only had two and a half sacks, and only had 146 pass rush snaps. They didn't really use him as much as I thought they would. Um, I'd be curious your opinion on that. And then real quick, uh, Will McDonald really liked him a lot. I, I was very high in Will McDonald. That bend that he has as a pass rusher, that's like the bend that you need, I think, to really just get around that offensive lineman. Von Miller is like the king of that. Uh, so I really like Will McDonald. I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, so I think, I think, I think for me personally, from a dynasty perspective, for, for sure, Will McDonald's over Jermaine Johnson all day. I like that. That's interesting. Um, I, I was really into Carl Lawson. Coming into last season, really, he got injured, and so that kind of hurt hurt the chances of that happening. But I think the Jets also probably noticed that and realized they never wanted to have something like that happen again, where they lost a pass rusher and then were 
struggling to really get pressure off the edge. So they just got a bunch of people. So Jermaine Johnson, Carl Lawson, Will McDonald, John Franklin Myers is still there. Bryce Huff was interesting last season. There's just a bunch of guys. I, I kind of find myself seesawing back and forth between like staying away from the entire group because I don't know who it's going to be. And then like taking my shots here and there, because I think there's a chance that someone can be efficient on a week by week basis for a best ball league. So I think maybe your strategy here kind of differs depending on your format. If we're talking best ball, maybe it is okay to take your shots, but on a weekly managed league, it's probably going to be a little bit more tricky to actually snag a guy and trust him. What's interesting is that Jermaine Johnson has the highest draft position. I think you probably would agree with me in saying, I don't know if he deserves it. I think he's an exciting young player and a lot of people are hoping he has some upside, but I look at Carl Lawson and I know he's coming off an injury, but before he got injured last season, I mean, I was, I was really stoked to see what he could do for this team. And I understand they're going to rotate a lot of guys, but I feel like Carl Lawson probably deserves that spotlight. And perhaps maybe the reason his ADP was so low is simply because up until maybe like a month ago, people thought he was going to get cut. Uh, But since he restructured his contract, now we know he's sticking around. So I would probably put, if I had to pick a guy to pin my flag on, I'd probably pick Carl Lawson. But is there a guy there? I know you said Will McDonald for Dynasty, which is, I think, a great take. For just this season, if there is a guy, do you feel like you have a preference of those four? That sort of surprises me, Evan, that you like Carl Lawson. I'm out on Carl Lawson uh, quite significantly. I mean, <laughs> I want to say that he, I don't know which body part it is, but I want to say he's tore his ACL or, or it was Achilles at least two or three times. I think uh, it was Achilles. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's in, in defensive lineman, Achilles is, is super important because it's a jump, it's a get off, right? Uh, when, the, when the snap is made. So I would go, I, I mean, to me, I'm a ceiling guy. So for me, I, I don't want to go for the floor. I want a guy who's going to who's gonna um, possibly break out. I'm going to go with McDonald. I think he's a pass rush specialist, and there's a reason why the Jets drafted him as high as they did. I thought for sure they, you know, the Jackson Smith and Jigba was right there for the taking. They went in and took, well, McDonald, I couldn't believe it. So they have a reason why they drafted him. I think they plan to use him. Yeah, I'm sure as a as a Bills fan, you were pretty happy to see that JSN I was. not go to New York. <laughs> I was. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I was watching that draft and I was like, what the heck this like, are you just following the, uh, the Packers strategy of pissing off Aaron Rodgers by not getting him offensive weapons. But uh, that's a, that's another conversation for another time. I love that we disagree on this. I think that makes for good podcasting. We was just kind of joking about this with the other guys from the IDP show a little bit earlier about, man, we need more disagreement on these podcasts. We can't all just be nice and agreeing with each other. So this is good stuff, man. We'll have to, you know, put down a little bit of a bet or something about these two. Um, uh, but let's go ahead and move on to the to the linebacker group. Again, this is pretty cut and dry. There are only three guys that are being drafted, period. I don't care about Jamie and Sherwood with an average draft position of like 368. So we're just going to talk about CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams, which in my opinion at least are absolutely locked in to be the two guys that play a bunch of snaps. Do you see it any differently, or is this probably one of just the most projectable linebacker, uh, linebacker situations in football? No, no, I, I agree. I, I think it's these two guys. And I, honestly, I don't have too much to, to really talk about with this group. I mean, I think C.J. Mosley is a chalk play. I mean, he's he's 31 years old. We know linebackers can play, you know, pretty late in their career. And, and you know, with Mosley, I was actually kind of worried about him 
you know, taking the year off uh, due to COVID. Um, you know, he was one of those opt-out players and then came back. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to, if it's just going to come right back, but he really did. And he's been, he's been, he, I think, I want to say he was kind of like, not so good. But last year he, or I want to say the past two years, he's really done really well. But he had the six highest tack, combined tackles in the league, 159 tackles. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty standard. I'm with you. Yeah, man. And it's interesting with Quincy Williams. I kind of went into this past offseason with the expectation that he wasn't going to resign. Somebody else was going to land in that spot and get a bunch of work. And because Quincy Williams isn't really that good, at least in my opinion, he just kind of would have lost his value. But nope, they re-signed him and they let Quan Alexander go. So there isn't really a reliable three there, at least as far as I can tell. And what's interesting is when Quincy Williams was healthy last year, he didn't play 100% of snaps. He was a, a situational player who was like between 70 and 80, I, th- I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, but he was splitting time with Quan Alexander. Now that Quan Alexander is gone, like, is there a chance Quincy Williams is even better this year than last year? Am I getting too into the weeds about this? Or should we basically just kind of expect more of the same? I mean, I guess it's a, it's a question of does, does the stat percentage increase like you're saying? Mm-hmm. I think the path is there. And I think he's good. I don't know if he'll ever be great, you know. So I think if you're expecting this huge breakout, um, you know, I'm looking at guys like David Long. I'm looking at guys. This is not AFC East, but I'm looking at guys like Aziz El Shire, right? These are the guys I'm looking at that I think could take that breakout jump. I just don't see because because here's the thing: when you've got a guy like C.J. Mosley, it takes away from your true potential to be able to get more tackles because you got that guy next to you. But if you're talking about like we're talking about Miami. Uh, or Tennessee with Aziz Al right? That that linebacker group is bare. So someone's got to step up. And that's for me, that's why, you know, Quincy Williams is okay. I think he's a great, you know, bench guy to have, uh, but I wouldn't want him to be my starter. My man, talking about Aziz Al on this podcast, you'll love to see it. He's, uh, he's definitely one of my favorite targets this year, too. So I love that you brought him up. Um, one last group to talk about the defensive backs. Uh, I think it's fair to say the Jets are in contention for one of the other best cornerback rooms in the league alongside, like you said, kind of Miami and a few other teams that definitely have some good guys. We don't really need to talk about sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, uh, other than I guess to say sauce Gardner is going as the DB 14 cornerback four. I, that seems really high to me considering just the fact that we play fantasy football and not real life football. Like if this were all 22 and you were just being scored for being a good football player, I get it. But you got to score points in order to be good for fantasy. And so I feel like I'd prefer somebody that's going to get more tackles, more playmaking opportunities. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong there. So I'll give you a sec to talk about that after we also bring up the safety situation, which is pretty clearly Jordan Whitehead and Adrian Amos. Chuck Clark originally was going to be the guy there, uh, but unfortunately he got injured. So they brought in Amos to be reunited with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Yet another Green Bay Packer joining the New York Jets. So it seems like it's pretty clearly those two guys, Michael Carter in the slot. What are your thoughts on this in general position group? Yeah, I mean, so I'll, I'll talk about the safeties first, and then I'll yeah. go to my thought on Sauce Carter. Yeah, I mean, the safeties to me are not very exciting. Uh, Amos has been a, a really, uh, he's been one of the topper end safeties, I want to say, over the past two years. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not really convinced that he's going to be that good, and neither is Jordan Whitehead. So for me, I don't know where they land on, on the ADP that you've been referencing, but you know, I 
to me, I, I'd be looking in other directions. I don't, I'm not really excited about either one of them. As far as the corners go, um, now this might just be based on different scoring settings uh, where this would come into play, but I, I disagree with you when it comes to Sauce Gardner. I, I purposely targeted him in my league. I drafted him um, because I thought he would be as good, and he was even better than advertised. I mean, he led the league in pass deflections with 18, and that's where I was going to go with So. Depending on your scoring settings, right? So for our league, we, you know, pass deflections get you a good amount of points. So, I mean, if you're just looking for interceptions or tackles, well, then maybe, you know, that's not, you know, interceptions can be a little bit more fluky, right? Where they can have a pass deflections, though, um, not as much. So for him, he leads the league in pass deflections. Uh, so to me, that I don't see that. I mean, they could, the only thing is, if he really proved himself, they could just say, we're not throwing his direction. And that's the danger. So they say, I'm not throwing in your direction. Then he, how is he going to get the stats? Um, but, you know, I mean, he, had, he, he allowed zero touchdowns last year, which is crazy because his whole thing coming out of college was he never allowed a touchdown. Uh, so I, I'm a big Sauce Gardner fan. I, would, I, I believe, if I remember in the ADP correctly, Marcus Jones is going ahead of Sauce Gardner, which I think is crazy. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I might be the crazy one because – this this league settings they do score past deflections and scores them pretty generously so maybe i'm the one that's a, a little bit too low on sauce gardner maybe i should be drafting him a few more in a few more places and and to give some context on these safeties because i forgot to tell you earlier uh, we've got jordan whitehead at uh, db 55 which is safety 38 and then adrian amos going as db 105 safety 61 even Sounds at those right. prices, Sounds even about at those right. prices, yeah, man. Uh, do, do you feel like there's at least a chance that that those guys could, you know, kind of outperform that ADP, or is that pretty much about what you'd expect from them? I mean, I think Amos might be a little bit better than what they're saying, but he was a late camp signing. I mean, that they were planning on having it be Chuck Clark, and then Chuck Clark tore his ACL. So, uh, you know, with safeties, are they going to get you tackles, or are they going to get you picks? With CJ Mosley in the middle. I think the the upside for them to get tackles is pretty limited. So are they going to get a lot of picks? Mm, I'm not so sure. So like I said, I, I would fade them. But yeah, Evan, I would I would look a little more into Sauce Gardner. I think uh, he's a great option moving forward. I love it, man. Well, this has been a really fun episode. I'm so happy that we managed to get it within the time that we aimed for. I'm really, really bad at actually hitting my time deadline. So this was great. You've you've been awesome. Thank you for coming on. Before I close out this episode, I want to make sure I, I gave you some time to to kind of elaborate more for the listeners here, where they can find you, what you do, uh, what you know, what kind of content you put out in this space that that's going to be valuable for them because I know what you do is valuable and I think the listeners ought to uh, to give you a little bit more attention. Well, thanks, Evan. Well, most definitely. And, and, and first off, I, I'd be remiss to say that, you know, just thanks so much for bringing me on. It's, it was great uh, being with you and, and talking IDP. always enjoy that. Uh, but for myself, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Steve underscore FOP. Uh, you know, my channel that uh, I do is called Front Office Pros. Uh, you can follow us also on Twitter and on YouTube. Uh, we've had a channel since last August. Um, so we're continuing to produce content, trying to... Uh, uh, IDA and innovate and try to become better uh, throughout this whole process of creating content. But you know, we focus on dynasty, uh, we focus on salaries and contracts and salary cap, and then we also do IDPs. Even right now, currently, 
Uh, we're trying to create some IDP rankings um, and even breaking it out, um, you know, by position, you know, going your defense, then defense attack, a linebacker, corner safety. Uh, so, yes, because, I mean, unfortunately, you know, there isn't a lot of content out there with IDP. I, I, I really do hope that IDP takes off because, you know, I, I first got introduced to it or really I was the one who <laughs> championed it. I wanted our league to try it because I thought it would be so much fun uh, a number of years ago. Uh, but now that I've done it, I mean, I can't stand team defense. And I'm sure a lot of your your listeners would agree because it's just you play uh, an opponent and the Patriots defense does something, you know, whatever, has a pick six, all this other stuff. They score 25 points and you lose your matchup just because of that. But if you have that actual guy and they get a sack or they get a pick six or something like that, then it's like, okay, it feels more deserved. And honestly, it's more exciting. You, you get excited by your offensive guy, you know, catching a 15-yard first down. You know, it's just that to me, I, I get it excited when, you know, someone gets a sack, you know, it's like, yes. So for me, I think it just adds so much more uh, to the fancy football experience, the NFL game watching. And honestly, too, in Dynasty, you have so much more resources. You know, with offense, your your options are limited. But if you have offense and defense and draft picks, I mean, the options are endless uh, to find trade partners. So. Uh, yes. you, you know, if you, I'm sure your listeners are IDP fans, um, but if they're on the fence, you got to give it a try. Oh, absolutely. And if you add in the idea of, of having contracts, I mean, the, the roster flexibility there is just bonkers. I, I'm in a league on reality sports online and uh, I'm still kind of new to it. So I'm still figuring out more things specifically. So I'll definitely be checking out your show in order to get some more information there. But definitely. It's, it's so much fun, dude. It is so much fun. And I love how you mentioned, right? That that's how we grow the industry. We always joke about like, you know, talking about growing, growing the industry versus doing stuff that actually makes it happen. And, and it's, it's really good to see other guys out there in the space that are actually putting in the work to, to grow the industry and get the, get the interest out there. So I, I really appreciate what you're doing here, Steve. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute blast to have you. We'll definitely do some more stuff down the road together because uh, this has been a fun one. And and listeners, again, if you thought that Steve was awesome, and I'm sure you did because he was, follow him in, on Twitter at Steve underscore FOP. And if you want to talk about how I am too low on Sauce Gardner, you can blast me in the DMs on Twitter at IDP Evan. Uh, but I will catch you next time around. Thank you guys so much for listening to the IDP After Show. Until next time, peace out. This was the IDP After Show. 